listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. If you want to get on your knees, whatever you want to do, I just want to pray and continue to invite the Lord to meet us here. Lord, thank you for the ways that we already sense your presence in this room. God, I pray that you would stay in here with us and that we would be able to sense you in a tangible way throughout the rest of this night. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. That's a promise from you, God. Lord, I pray as we examine your word tonight that you would illuminate our minds, that you would help us all to be good students of your word, that we would listen for your voice and for your prompting. Lord, would you help me to avoid the temptation to come with words of wisdom or compelling speech, but only in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you teach us, would you help us to take what your word says and bring it into our lives, that we would believe that this book is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword and it pierces to the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it changes us. God, would you change us tonight? Would we leave here different than we came in? Would we leave here trusting you more because of what we experience with you tonight? God, we don't just wanna study a book. We want to experience you as we study your word. God, we pray all of these things in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guys, it's so good to see all of you. If I haven't had a chance to introduce myself to you yet, my name's Dylan, and I get the privilege of being the young adults pastor here. I mean, it is an honor to, to serve you guys and to get to, get to know you and um, live life with you. And uh, just as we start tonight, I want to take you back just a couple of days to Sunday morning when uh, Rachel calls me and she tells me, hey, I'm not gonna be able to make it to church today. My battery's dead. And everybody knows that that's an awesome experience, right? Like I'm thinking, this is perfect. Like I've been trying to think of ways to support my local auto dealership, the, the auto parts store, and this is it. We found it. Like, thank you for bringing this into our lives, Lord. No, like that's not how anybody thinks, right? Like I'm immediately like, yeah, like, Got to pay for a battery. Like that's not, you don't build that into the budget every month, right? But thankfully, being 10 years into marriage, we've had this stuff come up before. You have unexpected expenses that you have to have. And, and I was able, praise God, I've grown up a little bit to take that moment and be like, you know what, we're going to be okay. Like, did it still hurt? Y'all, batteries are expensive, right? Uh, this thing was $260. I was like, oh, that's not fun to just hand over. But... I was able to stop and think, and Ford wanted to go to the store with me, and I'm telling him, like, hey, bud, I just want you to know, this is expensive, and it's not something that I want to do, but I've seen throughout the last 10 years of our marriage, like, God's going to take care of us. Like, this is no big deal. He provides for us every step of the way, and he's going to continue to do that. And, and I hope that that is a little bit of a picture 
of where we wanna to get to tonight. And y'all, that is, that is not to make much of me. That is a lot of learning and a lot of trusting the Lord, going from a place of maybe even panic, thinking about how we're gonna pay for something to being able to trust the Lord. Man, he's got this. He's not surprised by a battery that goes out, right? And that's, a, that's a step of maturity that I hope we'll be able to take tonight as we think about different trials and difficulties and stuff that comes into our lives. So if you're with us last week, we saw in James 1, the first couple of verses that James encourages us to count it as joy when we experience trials, right? And that, that feels like kind of a weird thing to us. But we learned that we can trust God in those moments. We can experience it and count it as joy because we know God's doing something in us through it. Like we can trust that God's not just gonna waste something that comes into your life. He's gonna use it to shape and mold you and make you look more like his son. So we can trust that so we can consider it joy we can find the joy in it whenever we have hardships. And tonight, we're gonna to take a second step in that, a, another step of maturity, if you will, to being able to take a hardship, take a difficulty that comes into your life and to be able to look back on it and see the ways that God is actually using it in your life. So last week, we knew that we knew the, the, the joy is coming. We know that the, the shaping of you is coming. Tonight, we're gonna to see a little bit more of what that looks like. So if you want, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to James chapter one. Um, and I just want us to see that we need to actually take the step of receiving the benefits that come from trials that enter our lives. We don't wanna waste our trials. We can't waste them. It would be a shame to waste them. We can actually receive the benefits of it. And, and there's kind of a two-part progression that James makes tonight. And the first part of that formula he gives us is just that trials are the path. Like if you wanna to get to a place of maturity and completeness, like we'll see, trials are the path. That's the only way. There's one route to get there and it's through difficulty. Trials are the path. So we're gonna jump back to verse one, James chapter one, verse one. James is way in the back of your Bible. It's in the New Testament where we see Jesus enter the picture and James is his brother. And this is what James has to say. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, Greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. This is where we pick it up tonight. Verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So James gives us this formula here. We're gonna consider it joy. We're gonna trust that God's gonna use it. The way he develops us is through building our endurance. And finally, in the end, we get to a place of what he calls maturity and completion and lacking nothing. And, and the picture that comes to mind for me of that destination is wholeness. Like, like there's, a, there's a completeness. You've learned and you've grown and you've become more whole. So that's the destination we're gonna get to. What does he say the route is to get to? Like, that's a place we all wanna get to. I think you would raise your hand and say, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'd like to be there. How do we get there? It's only through trials. I think you're seeing that formula. Like there's no, there's no shortcut to it. Like it would feel like an oxymoron, right? To say that there's a shortcut to endurance. Endurance is by its very nature, something that lasts a while. There's no shortcut to developing endurance. So these trials that we talked about last week, they're, in, they're producing endurance. So what is this word endurance that we're seeing here? What does it mean? What are the, the ideas, the pictures that come to mind with it? The word carries with it this idea of steadfastness, of patience and fortitude. There's an idea of toughness that comes with it. 
Kind of the favorite description I've seen as I've studied this passage is staying power. Like there's, when you develop this endurance, there's nothing that can move you off of where you stand. There's this staying power that comes with endurance. And like we've said, it can only be endurance of any kind. You're only gonna develop it through training. So each time you make it through little trial, little trial, a bigger trial, every time you're developing that endurance, you're becoming a little bit more like Jesus in each of those situations. Now, like we said, you can't shortcut it, short, shortcut it, shortcut it. God's not just gonna zap you and all of a sudden you're patient and enduring and ready for anything that comes your way, right? That, that's not how it works. Um, no, as God shapes you and molds you, he's gonna use life circumstances to do just that. Now, Paul actually takes this whole idea a step further. He, he has to have James's words in mind here when he writes this in Romans 5. He takes this a step further, Romans 5, 3, he says, and not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance pr- produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. So not only is Paul considering it joy when he experiences trials and afflictions is the word he uses, man, he's boasting about it. Like, hey, God considers me worthy of bringing difficulty into my life. That, that's, that's a foreign concept to us, right? That's not typically the way we think, but that's the mindset Paul had. That's the mindset we see James telling us to have. Not surprisingly, it's the mindset Jesus had throughout his life. And we see those things displayed in a couple of places, Romans 8 and then Hebrews 12. Again, Paul writing in Romans 8, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. What's he saying here? You know, this stuff you got going on right now, there's gonna be a day when you're in the presence of Jesus and you will forget all about this. This is gonna be a blip on the radar, whatever it is that you're going through right now and you will never think about it again because you're gonna be so fixated on Jesus. We can handle whatever's going on right now because we know where we're going. We know what it produces. We know what our eternity looks like. Jesus set the tone for this mindset with his own life, right? We see Jesus described in Hebrews 12, those first couple of verses. We talked about these last week. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. So how did he do it? For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So He sees the joy out there. He sees the joy on the other side of the trial and he's willing to endure because of it. That's the mindset we've got to try to develop tonight. So we've said this over and over again, the trial's coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The the difficulty is coming into your life. And when it comes, you have a moment of decision. Like you have a choice. You can look for another religion, You can bail on faith altogether. You you look for any way out if you want to, but what you got to consider is, man, where's all this going? Like it's got to go somewhere. And what I would encourage you with tonight is that it is to your benefit to endure through a trial because of what Jesus is trying to do in you. It is worth it to endure the trial. It is worth it to get to the benefit on the other side of it. God's got something good for you on the other side of it. So y'all, if life is great right now, go ahead and engrave this principle into your mind so that when it does come and you're a little better prepared, you, you don't, you're not going into it blind, like didn't see this coming. No, no, you're ready and you're, you're 
already ahead of the game, ready to accept that God's gonna do something through your life. And guys, uh, I wanna get specifically your attention right now, all the guys. I think this is one of the most important things you can begin working on now, thinking about you being a future husband and a future dad. Like your family, your wife and your kids need to be able to look at you when the difficulties of life come and see you standing firm. Like they need to be able to see the storm coming and they can get right in line behind dad because he's not moving. Dad doesn't flinch when this stuff comes up. And that doesn't mean that stuff doesn't get to you. That doesn't mean you have emotions to work through, anything like that. But guys, your trust in Jesus needs to be strong enough that your family can look to you to lead them through whatever life throws at you. Please hear that. Get that in your mind now and your wife and your kids someday, if you have them, are gonna thank you for it. Go ahead and be developing that mindset. So trials are the path. Trials are the only way to get to where we want to go. The wholeness is the destination. Trials are the path, wholeness is the destination we're trying to get to. And and I'll I'll give you some parameters to kind of think through uh, whether or not you're getting there or not in just a second. But um, I don't know, you probably by looking at me would guess I'm a runner, right? But I'm not, Um, and that's never have been. Um, But last year, about this time, I pretended to be a runner and I signed up for the Nashville Half Marathon. Anybody run it with me last year? Um, see, y'all are the smart ones. Zero hands go up on that. Um, y'all are like, Dylan, we're, we're questioning your judgment right now. But signed up with my sister. We're like, let's do this thing. We've never run a marathon before. Let's see what we can do with it. And we had people over and over again telling us like, Nashville is hilly. Like this is about the hardest half marathon you could ever choose. And we're like, awesome. That's what we were hoping for, you know? Um, so we trained, like we trained really diligently. I got up to a half marathons, 13 miles, if you didn't know. And I got up to 10 miles in my training. Some of the conventional wisdom, Dean's gonna laugh at me on this probably, but if you can get to 10 miles, you can probably get to 13. So that's what I did. Um, I got there. My sister though, she was super, like, I don't think she missed a day at all. No, probably has something to do with her not having kids. But um, we get to race day. Feeling good about it, a little nervous. Now, when we show up, if y'all have ever seen this thing, we did not realize there were gonna be 24,000 people at this race. We are like, oh, we're thinking this was gonna be like, you know, just a few of us out here running and it was not. Uh, but it kind of gets the juices flowing too. So we take off a few miles in, feeling good. Like you've run past Bridgestone, you're smelling the restaurants downtown. It's a good place to be. And I'm, I'm feeling good. Four miles in, finally get out of the crowd. I can kind of run at the pace I wanna run at. Halfway in, feeling great. Spotify is like killing it with the songs it's bringing up. Eight miles in, feeling a little tired. Legs are getting heavy, but mentally good to go. Just past Edley's and I'm like, that's what I needed right there. I just needed to see Edley's and I can finish this thing. Nine miles in, legs are hurting. 10 miles in, wall. Like I've never experienced my body just shut down like it did. Like I hit mile 10 and I'm looking at, there's a hill in front of me. I'm going, I can't get up it. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm just done right here, right? And so for the next 3.1 miles, I kind of walked, kind of jogged, mainly cramped and finally crossed the finish line. And I don't know why they even handed me a medal at that point, but I made it. Y'all, the thing was, it was unintentional, but I, sh- I tried to shortcut the process I didn't even mean to do it, but I didn't let endurance have its full effect in my training. And when the day came to run the race, 
I wasn't ready for it. Man, I fell apart. It was unintentional, but, but that was the problem on that day. So what can we do spiritually to make sure that doesn't happen to us when that day comes in our lives spiritually, right? Like we gotta know, have some measurements to know if we're doing well with this. Are we developing maturity? How are we getting there? So let's look at these words here. And y'all, there is no like secret seminary website to where you can go study a Bible word, right? Go to a website called Bible Hub. It gives you the original language and whatever English translation you want right there on top of each other. You can look up all these words for yourself. Like, please go use a tool like that. But if we're looking up those words mature and complete, uh, again, wholeness is the picture that comes to mind for me, but they carry with them the idea of perfection, of uh, fullness. Uh, that's the kind of language, you, full character. That's the kind of language that's used to describe this word in the original language. And it, it's not just getting to the other side of a trial. It's not just that you made it through. It's that you made it through and then you can actually look back on it and, and allow God to let you see what all he was doing in the midst of it. Let him see how he was developing you and growing you in the midst of it. That's a step towards maturity, not, not just surviving, right? Like that's not what any of us wanna do. We don't wanna just make it through. We wanna get through and be better because of it. Um, so James doesn't give us a whole lot of specific insight on, on some measurements for that. So I've tried to pray and think throughout the rest of scripture, what are just some principles I could give you to measure yourself a little bit, to use in the moment when you're in the trial, but also to be able to look back and see if you're getting a little bit better each time one comes. So these are some principles I wanna give you and please write these down. Let them be something you come back to later. The first one is just this, it's accepting instead of grumbling. You could insert the word blaming or complaining in there. So accepting instead of grumbling. Y'all, all I'm saying here is, like we've said repeatedly, it's coming. I need you to accept that difficulty is coming. And then when it comes, man, don't be grumbling and complaining and looking for somebody to point the finger at, because inevitably you're gonna point it at God, right? Instead, we wanna trust that this is for your good. Like we see that principle in scripture. Perhaps God is exactly the one who orchestrated the difficulty that you're in right now. And perhaps that's a good thing. Listen, I know that's, Difficult to think through in the moment sometimes, but let's accept it and let's trust that God has good intentions with whatever it is that you're going through. So accepting instead of grumbling, trusting instead of questioning. And I think you, you can sense a, a change in tone here. We, if you've been around this ministry any length of time, you know, I think it is perfectly okay for you to ask God questions about whatever it is that you're going through. But there's a, there's a difference in our tone and how we can do that, right? So this is gonna look less like, like you can ask the same exact question and ask it in different ways. And man, I think one honors God and one probably doesn't. See, man, you can ask God, God, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would you allow this into my life? There's a difference in that and you saying, God, why would you allow this into my life? Like, help me to see it. There's a difference in the two tones there. Man, it's totally okay for you to ask God what's going on here and to ask him for insight into it. But go into it trusting him rather than just questioning him. I think you sense the difference in the tone there. The third one is this, reflecting instead of forgetting. Reflecting instead of forgetting. So I don't know about you, but I'm tempted whenever I've gone through something hard, like, man, glad that's done. Let's just leave that in the past. 
Like, don't ever even really want to think about that again. And I think maybe there's a more mature way to go about that, to, to actually to journal about it. Guys, if you don't journal, it's fine. But I'm just going to tell you, you're missing out. <laughs> Write your thoughts down, man. Get them out on paper. Let the Lord sit, sit with them and let him help you think through whatever it is that you're going through. Get some thoughts down. Journal about it. Talk to the Lord about it. Talk to other people about it. And do the work of making sure you're learning from whatever it is that you've been through. Make sure you've like squeezed every bit of maturity and completeness out of it that you can. And when you do that, it's gonna get you to a place of our next principle, which is meaning instead of wasting. We wanna make sure we're finding meaning within the trial instead of just wasting it. And here's what I mean here. Whenever you've gone through something, you're inevitably going to find other people that have been through something really similar. Now, the danger side of this is, listen, just because you've gone through something, I wanna say this humbly, you do not necessarily become an expert on that thing just because you've gone through it. Like nobody likes it when they realize you've gone through the same thing and they're like, oh, this is what I did. This is what you should do. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not you finding meaning in it. I think a way that we can find meaning in it is to realize that person who's going through something similar and say, hey, I, I know you're going through this. I've been through something similar. Like I've been there. If you ever want somebody to just listen to you, just sit and talk about it, help you process it, man, let me know. I'd love to get together. And you listen, you listen. You're not the big advice giver all of a sudden, man, go listen. And if they ask you questions on how you handled something or how you could have done it better, answer. Find the meaning within that. And you can use the things that you've gone through to help other people. And the last one is this. Losing, I think this is my favorite, losing instead of winning. Losing instead of winning. Here's what I mean by that. I heard a podcast this week uh, with John Mark Comer on it, if anybody's familiar with him. And he was talking about a book that he reads every summer. What is it called? It is called Sacred Fire. There we go. Um, I've never read it myself, but probably gonna have to pick it up. But in this book, there are two characters talking to each other. There's an older man and a younger man. And the older man mentions to the younger guy that he says, he, he terms that he wrestles with God. And the younger guy says, you wrestle with God and, and you're hoping to win? And the older man says this, he says, no, I wrestle with God and I hope to lose. That's a place of maturity. Man, that's saying whatever comes my way, whatever I have to endure in life, like I want God to get his way with me. I mean, I don't know about you, that is not always how I feel in the moment. But golly, if we could get to a mindset of hoping we lose and hoping God wins in a situation, hoping God gets his way with you and the people around you, y'all, that's, that's a place of, of maturity and wholeness. Let's try to get to a place where we're okay with losing and letting God win. Now, all of this sounds great, right? His principles, the words that James has written, and, and I want you to know that James lived this stuff out. And there's, there's a book that I go to frequently called The Chronicles of the Apostles, and it talks about the way that James died. And I want you to know this story, because I read it and I was like, are we serious? Like, this is how it happened? Um, so James, uh, at the, it's at the time of Passover, he's in Jerusalem, so that y'all, there are crowds like crazy. Like it's 
New York Times on New Year's Eve, but with sheep thrown in there, right? Like that's the scene that you can picture in Jerusalem. So, I mean, it's, it's just a, a mess of a crowd. So there's this group called the Sadducees. They've got religious power. They do not believe Jesus is the Messiah. They don't believe he's the savior, but James does. And that's his message. And they feel like they've got to get rid of James. James is a problem for them. So they, they need grounds. Their plan is to kill him, right? They need, they need grounds to justifiably kill James. And what they do is decide that they're gonna charge him with blasphemy. So they decide to deem it blasphemy to refer to Jesus as the Messiah. They get to put James on trial because of that. And this is what the trial looked like. They put him literally on the pinnacle of the temple. Like he is standing on the edge of the temple, 15 stories up in the air. He's standing there. Remember the crowds, all sorts of people watching this happen. And the Sadducees give him a chance to recant his faith, to take it back. Jesus is not the son of God. They give him a chance to do that. And I wanna stop there and, and make sure you, you realize James has an opportunity here to bow out, to, to skip through the trial, like this is a mess he's in. And he's got a chance, all he has to do is say one sentence and he's good. Like he's let off the hook, he's good to go. But he doesn't do that. He, he chooses maturity, he chooses to endure and he chooses to trust God in that moment and doubles down with a bold proclamation of Jesus being the son of God. All these crowds here, please don't forget the crowds in this. Like this is, this is him on display doing all these things. That's a problem for the Sadducees. That is not what they anticipated James doing clearly. So all of a sudden they've got a problem on their hands. And, and I want you to realize they had a moment here too where they could have stopped and learned. They had a moment here where they could have said, okay, this guy's willing to die for this. Maybe there's something we should consider here. Maybe there's something we should listen to here. But instead they choose immaturity. They choose to shortcut the process and their solution is to push James off the temple. So James falls 15 stories into the crowd and lives. And I think all of us would probably say, I would have been okay if that was just it. Like, I don't wanna live through that, right? So he hits the ground. There are people there ready that they start beating him. They're hitting him with clubs. All the while they're doing this until the last blow from a club that killed him, he's praying the same prayer that he saw Jesus pray, asking God to forgive the people for they don't know what they're doing. That's what's coming out of his mouth as he's being beaten to death. You talk about a picture of endurance. Like James is getting every single thing he can out of this situation that he's found himself in until his last breath He's setting an example for all the people that are watching him of what it looks like to endure in the name of Jesus. Man, what an example for us. Like James didn't write this stuff and say, y'all, this would be great if you could do this. No, he wrote it and then he lived it out. He didn't waste his trial. He didn't waste it. Man, we can use that as a model for our own lives. Now, as we, as we kind of, turn the page on this idea of maturity and completion and wholeness and trials. I wanna flip the script on endurance a little bit. So everything we've talked about so far has been how God develops endurance in us, right? Through, through bringing different things into our lives. I wanna flip the script and think about God's endurance with us. 
Like what, what kind of example does God set for us when, when we think about endurance? Because, okay, God brings things in our lives. He allows stuff in our lives. We endure through them. What all do we bring into God's life that he endures through? Like he set a standard for us for relationship with him that was perfection, right? And we all miss that. And we call that sin. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus in here tonight, man, I would think you would probably raise your hand and say, man, I fall short of my own standards for myself plenty of the time. So we're all falling short in this scenario. And we need to know how God responds to that, right? We need to know when we don't hit perfection, how does God respond to that? What, what is his attitude? What, is his, what are his thoughts towards us in that moment? But once you think for a second, what happens in other areas of your life when you don't perform at the level that you should and at work, you get a certain amount of strikes and then you're gone. Like you lose that job. At school, messing up enough time on tests, like, you're losing scholarships, you're losing your spot at the school. You could, be, you could be a school, right? If you're in sports or in any kind of performance art, like you mess up enough times, man, you're gonna lose the game, you're gonna lose your spot, you're gonna lose your career. In relationships, at, at best, you're gonna lose intimacy with whoever that person is. At worst, you're gonna lose the relationship. Even with yourself, Man, if you screw up enough times, you're gonna to start to not like yourself and you can slip into a bad state of mind, right? Even with yourself, this can happen. So what is God's response to us whenever, whenever we mess up, when we screw up in his eyes? Like you need a scenario in your life that you can count on, right? That you know you can count on no matter how bad you mess up. And you're, you're gonna be real hard pressed to find that outside of the Christian God. You're just not gonna find it. This is, this is what we all need. Here's the reason you can find it in the Christian God. He's already done the performing for you. Your performance is not the scale that he's measuring you on. He's measuring you on the performance of his son, Jesus, right? No. Well, how does, how does Jesus think about it? All of our sins are against him, right? Even when you sin against another person, all of them are against God. It all, it all counts against him. And I want you to remember that line earlier. How does Jesus respond Remember that line earlier about wrestling with God and hoping to lose? In a weird way, that's exactly what Jesus does. The day, the, the, before he's to be crucified, he's in the garden praying. And what does he say? You guys know this line. <laughs> he's wrestling with God. God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And at the same time, he's hoping to lose. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Man, like Jesus doesn't want to run away from you. He doesn't give up on you. Jesus does not abandon you. And if he can endure that, if he can endure the cross and all that came with that, there's nothing that you can do in your life that's gonna cause him to run away from you. There's nothing you can do that's gonna cause him to say, too far gone, can't do anything with that. There's nothing you can do that can make him do that. And let me, please hear me. Jesus is the only one who is gonna love you that way. He's the only one. The only place you're gonna find Love like that. Because this is exactly what happened. Jesus told us when he was on the cross, when he died, he said, it's finished, right? He said, it's finished. But whenever he rose from the dead, that story of salvation, what happened to it, man? It became mature and complete and it was lacking nothing. Let me pray for you guys. God, I pray that that story of salvation would be etched into our minds every time we encounter difficulty of any kind. Like, Lord, will we be quick, 
Holy Spirit, would you bring it to mind, the endurance that you show with us and give us the strength and the power to endure whatever you allow into our lives. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your endurance with us. Lord, we're all aware of how often we, we miss the mark and we sin against you. We're all aware of it. And God, you, you don't ever turn your back on us. You don't give up on us. We can count on you and I, I praise you for it and I thank you for it. Lord, would you be quick to help us to endure whenever the trials come our way. Jesus, we love you. We pray it all in your holy name. Amen.